Welcome to Donnacloney Parish Podcast. If you want to know more information about the parish, how to support us, or for other social media, please go to www.donnacloneyparish.co.uk. Thank you. Heavenly Father, speak through your word by the power of your spirit to challenge us and encourage us when we need it, and to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, for it's in his name we pray. Amen. It's great that we've got God's Word in front of us, and hopefully you've got Acts chapter 3. Please uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 3 and verse 11. And we're going to see Peter uh, preach one of the sermons, one of the, the most important sermons through uh, the Acts of the Apostles. So Acts chapter 3 and verse 11. Well, the man, that is the man who was healed, lame from birth, held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we've made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our forefathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We're witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you all can see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders. But this is how God glorified what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise you up for you, a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up this servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Let's pray again. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open our minds and our hearts this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as I said, we come to Acts chapter 3 and to one of the greatest sermons in the Acts and as we've seen last week, this sermon comes straight after a, a lame man's being healed. That's what George was showing, a new beginning last week in verses 1 to 10. But the real context of this sermon is not actually the healing itself, but the crowd's reaction to the healing. So it's not so much a sermon on healing, but how a crowd saw it and their reaction to it it's like the healing is a sign. And if you want to go anywhere, you don't just keep staring at the sign. Do You don't just go to the Craig Avon roundabouts and just stare there where it tells you to go to Rushmere and you just look at it, hoping that somehow magically you'll get to Rushmere. 
No, you follow where the sign points you to. You keep on traveling. And so let's look at Acts chapter 3, verse 11. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? Peter's sermon is addressing the crowds that have rushed now to, it seems, to give honor to Peter and John. And so Peter speaks, and there are three key words in his sermon. And the first one is Jesus. You see, after such an amazing healing, it could have been so easy for Peter and John just to take a little glory themselves. Just to take a little bit of credit for healing this beggar. But there's no hint of it. Look at verse two, verse 12, should I say. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we've made this man walk? Verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. And then look down to verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. It is his power. It is his glory. It is faith in his name that has healed this man. And what's quite clear as we listen and read this sermon is the power of Jesus' name. Did you see the titles that Peter uses for Jesus? We've already seen and heard one. Verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our Father, has glorified his servant, Jesus. Alluding to Isaiah, the suffering servant, the suffering, and now the glorification of the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. Look at verse 14. You disowned the holy and righteous one, describing Jesus as sinless and pure, as the one who comes from God and is God. They're going to be one who is totally holy and righteous, and that's God himself. Look at verse 15. You kill the author of life. Jesus is the creator and sustainer of life. He was with God in the beginning. He's been killed and now he's been raised from the dead. This is why Jesus' name is so powerful. It's because of who he is. The suffering servant, the holy and righteous one, the author of life, killed but then raised from the dead. All these titles are are part of the name of Jesus. So when we say the word Jesus, that's what we mean. It's who he is. And that's why, says Peter, there should be no surprise when healing miracles happen. Because of who he is. He's the author of life. And the way that Peter is preaching, he's obviously taking the focus of the crowd away from himself to Jesus Christ. He says, it's no wonder Jesus is in control of our life and he can bring life and heal life. It's the name of Jesus, Peter says, not mine. And we have to be aware here with all of us who are involved in Christian discipleship of the dangers and temptations of making in our sinfulness in making Christianity about us. To take some of the glory 
The danger of any preaching, any leading, any serving, any work in the name of Jesus is that we want a little of the applause left over. Yes, of course, the glory goes to Jesus, but I'm quite happy to take some of it myself. And the more high, high profile the work, the greater the temptation, the danger. It is a big problem and should we, we should avoid it at all costs. We'll betide the person who takes the glory from Jesus. It is the name of Jesus. And if anyone's name or ego gets in the way, that's a big, big danger. The other side of the coin is that we must make sure that it is Jesus we're following and not just a person. Not just someone's ministry, but actually the one to whom that ministry points. We must not fall into the trap of following men. It is Jesus we should be following. And it's so easy to fall into that trap. You see, any ministry that takes you to a person and not to Jesus Christ is a false one. Peter could have started his own movement. And yet look what he says. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? It is Jesus. It is his power. It's because of who he is. So that's the first key word, Jesus. And then after having spoken of the suffering servant, the holy and righteous one, the author of life, Peter now speaks of the broken relationship, the sin. That's the second key word here, the sin. He, he now shows the crowd what their relationship with Jesus is like. And I wonder, did you see that? Look at the end of verse 13. He says, You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. Their, relations with, their relationship with Jesus is one of rejection, rebellion, disowning, handing over. And so Peter calls them out and says, verse 19, repent. Repent then. And turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Peter speaks of sin here in terms of relationship with Jesus. You see, sin is not about, is not about being a mass murderer or not being an upright moral citizen or, or not following a, a list of rules as if we tick off the Ten Commandments and say, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that, God should be proud of me. No, fundamentally, sin is about our relationship with the Holy and Righteous One, the author of life. That's what sin is about. And this crowd had turned their backs on the author of life. They'd even been part of putting him on a cross. In ignorance, yes, verse 17, now fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. You didn't see who Jesus was, yes, but you're still guilty. You've been ignoring God all along. You haven't been listening to what he says. You need your sins wiped out, the slate wiped clean, because you have killed the author of life. And that is what sin is, a disowning of the author of life, a turning our back, whether willfully or unknowingly, on the one who has given us life in the first place. And that's the story of you, and that's the story of me. 
every single one of us have turned our backs on Jesus, the Holy and Righteous One. That's often the stumbling block when you get to talk to people about Jesus. People are very happy to talk to you about Jesus. When you start talking about sin and everything else, they don't like that. See, talk about God and people get it. They nod. Yep, yep, yep. It offends very few people when you talk about God or the man upstairs. And quite often people will say to me, often when I've got the, the collar on, they'll say to me, I respect your belief in God and maybe one day I'll get round to believing myself. Well, I used to say by saying, well, look, it all starts with Jesus. And Jesus told us as he started preaching, repent and believe the good news, to turn around from our sin and to trust in what he's done for us. Because we all sin. And then in the conversation, there's usually a long pause. And then there's a change of tact. Well, how's the rest of the family? See, people find the truth about turning their backs on the author of life as offensive. But the ultimate truth is that every single one of us have turned our backs. We've disowned Jesus. All our sins come from that one rebellion. And so everyone's fundamental need, yours, mine, everybody's, is to turn back, to repent, and have their sins wiped out. See, the crowd rush to find out about this miraculous healing, but Peter speaks to them about their sin and about their relationship with Jesus. And we have to be clear about this. That is ours, and every single person's greatest need is to get right with God through his Son, the author of life, the Lord Jesus Christ. But we live in a culture that screams and shouts very different things to us. It says, no, 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 no. You don't need to get your life right with God. What you need to do is look after yourself. You know, look after your food and your shelter, your, the psychological needs of relationships and accomplishment of self-fulfillment, needs of achieving our potential. And they're all good. But do you see where the focus lie in all those things? Me, me, me. Peter knew that this crowd and that we too focus on our self-centered sin, that this crowd, that what they were focusing on as they rushed towards Peter wasn't to hear his words. What they wanted to do was to, to see another miracle. Let's see another healing. And I was thinking about this as I was walking around the village this week. I was thinking if Peter had asked the people if they wanted physical healing, well, the cries would have been huge. They would have been screaming, I need healing, he needs healing, she needs healing, they need healing. But to be told that they turned their backs on the author of life and that their fundamental need was to have their sins wiped clean, I don't think anybody would have been queuing up for that. Do you see the difference between what the Bible says and what our culture says? The Bible says our greatest need is to get right with God. Our culture says is our greatest need is to be good to ourselves. And the greater danger for us Christians is that we, we start half believing what our culture says. And we have this funny half-life between believing Jesus with our sins washed clean, but are having our minds thinking that our central need is to feed our own desires. And so we get ourselves tangled up. We get ourselves so mixed up. 
Now, the ultimate truth about us human beings is that our sins in rejecting the author of life need to be wiped out. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. Look at verse 18. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Why? Because he had to pay the price for our sin. Look at verse 17. Repent then and turn to God, so your sins may be wiped out. So Jesus is the first word. Sin is the second word. And the third word is the word promised. Just look at verse 19 again. Repent then and turn to God so your sins may be wiped out. The times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who's been appointed to you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. And then verse 24, indeed, beginning with Saul and all the prophets who have spoken, who have foretold these days, right from the very beginning, Jesus has always been at the center of God's rescue plan. And Peter's point here is that these Jews can't be faithful disciples of Moses without being faithful disciples of Jesus. That's what verses 22 to 23 says. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. They think they're Jewish listening only to Moses. They think they're being really Jewish just following the first five books of the Old Testament. But what they don't see is that Moses points people to Jesus. Every part of the Bible points people to Jesus. So Moses and all the prophets, verse 24. All the prophets, as many have spoken, have spoken about these days. See, the whole of the Old Testament points us to Jesus. Wonderful promises made long ago, verse 21 and 24. All the promises of the Old Testament find their yes in Jesus. And, and those promises are not just for long ago, they're for the present. Look at verse 20, 19 again. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Do you know the refreshment that comes from having your sins wiped out? Remember when I gave my life to Christ? The weight of my sins lifted off. I tell you, if I could dance and I can't dance, I would have danced all night. I felt such a relief in my spirit. A wonderful refreshing of our soul. Huge weight taken off us. The guilt and the shame of our sins taken from us. And that promise is for now. A promise for today. A promise for the present. Repent. And turn to God so your sins may be wiped out. The times are refreshing. may come from the Lord. And there are also promises for the future. Verse 21. Heaven must receive him until the time comes from the God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. One day Jesus will return. One day everything will be restored. One day every sin will be gone. So quite clearly, everything comes down to one question. Where are our lives in relationship? Jesus, the author of life, the suffering servant, the holy and righteous one. Because if history starts with Jesus as the author of life, if he 
in the present, if he's offering a restoration to, to God through the wiping away of our sin, and in the future, everything is going to be centered on Jesus, where are you? Where am I in relationship to him? That really matters. Did you notice verse 23? Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. See, if the author of life is Jesus, and if we've turned our backs on him, and we haven't turned around again to turn our backs, to, our, our faces towards him, we'll be cut off from the author of life, and that means spiritual death. We need to repent and turn to Jesus for life. So it really matters where you are in your relationship with Christ. It matters. And look at how Peter ends the sermon in verse 26. When God raised up a servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. The blessing is in the turning. The blessing is in the repenting. That turning so that we don't face death. Not just death at the end of our lives, but spiritual death. We're talking about hell here. I wonder tonight do you need to turn? I wonder which way you're facing, towards Christ or towards yourself. Maybe you've never seen it like that before. Never had the refreshment of having your sins wiped clean. You need to turn back to Jesus. Is that you? The promise of your sin wiped clean and refreshment is a promise for today. Tonight, you can know that you're in a right relationship with the creator of this world, the holy and righteous one. You can know you have life with Christ. If you're feeling nervous or you're not sure, why don't you repent? Why don't you, tonight, have the assurance of your sins forgiven? Your sin's quite clean. It can be yours and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he came. And that's why Peter preached this sermon. And that's why it's as relevant now as it is as it was back then. Listen to the words again. When God raised up a servant, he sent them first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Repent then, verse 19, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you amazed at your great love for us, amazed at your mercy in sending Jesus, that if we ask for forgiveness, you give it freely in Christ. We praise you because through Jesus, the author of life, we can have our sins wiped clean. Father, we acknowledge that it's all about Jesus. It's him. That he's the suffering servant. That he's the holy and righteous one. That he is the author of life. Father, we turn to him for that refreshment of sins wiped clean. 
May you strengthen us to serve the Lord Jesus in our lives. We ask this in his name and for his glory. Thank you for listening to this Donnacony Parish podcast. We're happy for this teaching to be shared for the advancement of gospel work and to help make disciples. For information about Donnacony Parish, please check out our website www.donaglonyparish.co.uk or find us on social media.